I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday. Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney. It's the time of the month when author Grace Tierney brings us the fascinating and often hilarious origin stories behind words we use a lot and weird sounding words we should use more often. This month, as February is the month of love, we are focusing on romantic themed words and Grace Tierney is back on the line. How are you getting on, Grace? I'm very well. It's nice to speak to you. Great to have you on the show. Now, I heard it through the grapevine, Grace, that you're a huge fan of Valentine's Day. So, <laughs> so much so that you've created a love-themed, love-themed uh, word fillery. I love this phrase, though. I heard it through the grapevine. This is something I should use more, but really don't. Oh, OK. I, I would use it a reasonable amount. It's certainly maybe the gossip grapevine is better out in Stamullen than it is in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say that. I'll be killed by the locals. Uh, yeah, I, I don't normally go for phrases, I'll be honest, because they are really difficult to pinpoint. And they're usually filled with loads of side tangents and people believe firmly that their version is correct, even if it's proven to be incorrect. So I, I if I'm going to get given out to you about this one, I just want to say I did research, I promise. Um, anyway, it turns out it's got quite an interesting history because it brings us on a kind of a trail from the Romans to the Normans and then right up to Motown and the American Civil War. So I was like, oh, that, that caught my eye. Um, I'm going to get started with just the actual word itself. So yeah. grapevine joined English in the 1700s and it's a compounded word of grape and vine, so not too tricky. So the word for grape in Old English was a uh, winberge, uh, which is literally a wine berry, which is quite a good name for it. Uh, but from the mid 1200s, we grabbed the word grape from Old French. So grape may have reached French from various Germanic words, all relating to hooks, because there was a hook-shaped tool that you used to cut the bunches of grapes from the mm. vines. So it's all pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, then vine comes into English at roughly the same time, again from Old French, uh, where the word was vigne, meaning vine. And the Normans brought French language and the wine drinking culture to England around this time, so it all makes sense. The old French had the word thanks to the Latins uh, or the Romans uh, who said vinea, meaning vine or vineyard, and vinum, meaning wine. So this is all very useful if you're going to have a glass of wine later on. Yeah, you're but making me want wine, to have a glass of wine right now. <laughs> it's probably a little early, you know, and it is only Wednesday. But anyway, um, but the grapevine obviously isn't native to England, um, but at it has arrived there since. They do make wine there now. They even make wine here in Ireland, which I've actually tasted and is quite nice, but they only make it in small quantities. Um, so for centuries, grapevine in English just potters along, being all about the plant and the wine industry. 
But then it's history takes a bit of a turn in the 1850s and 1860s. It gets an extra meaning. So in the 1840s, the telegraph network had been invented and was firmly embedded in American life and around the world. And by 1852, the term grapevine telegraph has arrived and it's added to the American dictionary. It described the informal network of news in a small community as being like the curling tendrils of a vine rather than the straight telegraph wires which stretched across the country. So basically the grapevine would sort of, you know, find its own way, whereas the telegraph overhead was very rigid and formal and you had to pay for it, which was a big point because the grapevine telegraph particularly worked well amongst the rural poor who worked amongst the actual vines doing vineyard stuff. Yeah. Um, and they didn't mind if, it, you know, they wanted to get their news across as fast as possible, but they didn't always have the money to pay the telegraph man. Um, so it carried the news often very quickly. And it was particularly associated with the African-American communities and the Native American communities. Then in the 1860s, we have the American Civil War and the grapevine telegraph becomes even more important because it's essentially a secret or unconventional way of spreading information about the war between the various communities. And it's blamed quite widely in the press at the time for spreading propaganda, which, of course, is the news of the war from the other side. Of <laughs> Regardless of who you are, you have propaganda on both sides. Um, so we use, you know, I heard it on the grapevine or, oh, what's the news on the grapevine here? But there are two variations in other countries, which I stumbled on and I quite liked. So in Australia, you'll find the bush telegraph instead of the vine of telegraph. Of course, yeah. And it's, it was an informal network that passed information about police activity to convicts that were on the run in the bush in the late 1800s, mm. which was kind of interesting. And it also had a criminal tendency in uh, British English as well. So you would have had the jungle telegraph around the same period. And it was for communications in the far flung reaches of the British Empire. I know they weren't all jungles, but some yeah. of the areas where, yeah. and that's what they called it. And um, But probably the real reason that modern English speakers use grapevine in this sense is thanks to Motown. So we have heard it through the grapevine, which was recorded by Gladys Knight and the Pips in 1967. And again by Marvin Gaye, which is the one that I think I'm most familiar with in 1968. And basically we've been humming it ever since and spreading the news on the grapevine. We have. And that is fascinating because I literally just thought it was gossiping vineyard workers but now it's actually like it's actually a te it was a telegraph which is just that's fantastic news I, I love that history and that I really do um, I'm going to use it more I really am uh, now I am a hugger I am a hugger so when I meet people for the first time I could go in for a hug you know some people are weird about that but you have hug what is the origin word or what's the origin story around hug yeah, I have to say I'm a hugger as well. That's how this one ended up. Also, if anybody's called Hugh, you should definitely listen to this one because oh. it does relate to you. Um, so the word hug is quite a late addition to the English dictionary, much to my sadness. It doesn't arrive until the 1560s. And it was originally spelled H-U-G-G-E, um, spelling very erratic back then. And they like to throw in a few extra uh, E's on the ends of words. So technically, its origin is unknown, but it's highly suggested that it came from an Old Norse word, hugga, which is spelt nearly the same. And it translates beautifully as meaning to comfort, which mm. I think is pretty much what a hug yeah. is for. Yeah. So hugga itself comes from hugger, um, which is courage or mood. And it comes from a proto-Germanic root, which also gives us, okay, hikyan, 
I think, to think or consider in Old English and the name Hugh. So oh. Hugh is actually hug, which is quite nice. And to think, which is oh. also very good. So there may also be a link to the German verge, uh, verb hegen, meaning to cherish, which originally meant to enclose with a hedge. Uh, now, I know that sounds a bit odd, but yeah. it does have the idea of enclosing or yes. running your arms Enveloping. Yes, yes. Yeah, but I, I think really the Old Norse one's the best because the idea of comforting is really close to what a hug means today. I love that. You, I've got a, 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 another appreciation now for people called you. That is brilliant. Uh, now, snuggle, a little bit like hug, snuggle, kind of more of a prolonged hug, really, isn't it? Oh, that's a, yeah, I guess that is how you would change the definition. Yeah. And, you know, technically, you sort of have to have somebody to hug, whereas you yeah. can snuggle by yourself. Do you know it's what not I mean? the same, you though. Snuggle up with yeah. the book. You know, it's Ireland Reads Day at the weekend. So it is. Snuggle up with the book. Um, so the verb snuggle joined English in the 1600s alongside the same word as snug. So they're just variants of each other. Um, it originally had nothing to do with love at all. Oh. In the 1500s, you could call a ship snug, meaning it was compact, tidy and well protected from the weather. Um, that use probably arrived with the Vikings because in Old Norse, we have a snogger. Uh, which doesn't mean snog, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> We're just not going there. there, Grace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I know where your mind goes. Um, but anyway, a snogger actually didn't mean anything about kissing. It was for somebody who was short-haired and neat and tidy. And then there were similar words in Old Swedish and Old Danish, again, for neat and tidy. So it was all about being sort of cosy and tidy, I suppose. Yeah. Then at some point during the 1600s, the idea of a ship being comfortably set up transferred to land. And at this point, snug and snuggle could be used to say that something was in a state of ease and comfort. By the 1700s, we have a phrase which I have not heard before was as snug as a bee in a box. No, bug in a rug. Snug as a bug in a rug. Yeah, yeah. No, snug as a bug doesn't come along for nearly another hundred years. So I think the idea of the bees in the box is maybe like the bees hibernating or being quiet over the winter. So kind of February time, they're probably not on the wing too much. Um, so the usual dictionary sources go a bit quiet on how we get from bees and bugs to people snuggling. But I can only imagine that it's thanks to the idea of being cozy and being close with loved ones, regardless of what species you are. But either way, on a cold February day, it's good for bees and people to snuggle up at home. It is indeed. Now, things are getting a bit saucy. I mean, we've kicked things up a notch here now from hug and snuggle to aphrodisiac. Yeah, I know. I, I, I did promise I'd keep this PG and I will. So uh, an aphrodisiac is a food or drink which is believed to increase desire and love. So they are named for a person, well, a goddess. Uh, they're named for Aphrodite. So she was the Greek goddess of love and beauty, which is a pretty good gig if you think about it. So according to Homer, she was born from the sea foam as the daughter of Diane and Zeus. So Daddy Zeus, however, feared that the gods would fight over her amazing beauty and he married her off quickly to Hypostases. Hopefully I've said that right because it's a tricky one. Uh, He was the smith god. So he would sort of hammer out all the uh, magical implements and weapons for the gods. He showered her with jewellery and a magical golden belt and was absolutely obsessed with her. Unfortunately, all the extra jewellery just increased her appeal and her infidelity was utterly legendary. Um. Yeah, she wasn't very good. Um, But, you know, I'm sure she had a lovely time. Her festival, (laughs) uh, which was called Aphrodisiac, (laughs) uh, was celebrated all around Greece and her priestesses in her temples were women who represented the goddess but on earth. 
And the Greeks believed that snuggling with the priestesses was the best possible way to worship Aphrodite, which is quite an That's, interesting yeah, idea for a church that. service. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Uh, I, our mystery word, by the way, uh, has everybody bamboozled. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. So it's uh, Oxorius. And I, my th- line of thought with this was, you know, when you have the ick, when someone gives you the ick, like you just go off them, you know, you've liked them. And then suddenly they do something like, I don't know, maybe they have a, a gold medallion on them. And suddenly you just go, no, I've got the <laughs> ick. I think it's a Shakespearean word for the ick. Now we do have, I'll get to some of these uh, uh, ex- excessively fond of, uh, says Marie in Kilcock. She could be on the on the right track there. Does it mean... Uh, this is the opposite. A total dislike, says John in, in Bala McKenney. Um Does it? Now, this is crazy. It sounds like a disgusted dinosaur after getting wilted flowers because the T-Rex couldn't pick them up fast enough. Nobody knows what's going on in, in that uh, guy's head. Uh, is it something to do with having a very strong love for somebody, says Baz? And then another one here, uh, Caroline reckons it's fed up or peed off, basically. So what does this right. mean? So listeners are kind of split on this one it either means you really really like somebody or you've got the uck or the ick going on the ick is a great word isn't it yeah it is a great word um yeah i love the dinosaur one i can really see that one that's an image for radio (laughs) all right uh and yeah you might be on track a little bit shakespeare may have used this i'd have i'd have to go and do some googling but the time period's okay um so uh, Uxorius, uh, which is tricky to to say, I it did is. have to look it up. Um, it means that you are too fond of your wife. Oh, yeah. Okay. It can even mean that you're possibly a tiny bit henpecked. So you you can use it in a sort of a positive or a negative way if you're saying it about somebody else. Oh, you know, Bill is Uxorius about his wife. Maybe you're being positive about how much he loves her, but you may also be having a bit of a dig about, oh, he's a bit over the top about Jill. She's not that great kind of thing. So it dates back to the late 1500s. So technically Shakespearean times. Mm -hmm. um, And it's a direct import from Latin. It hasn't gone through any other languages. They just went, we'll be having that word Um, where it, it literally just meant about a wife or it could mean devoted to a wife or it could mean ruled by a wife. So the sort of double meaning was actually in it from the very beginning. And it all comes back to uxor, which means wife in Latin, which was ah, one I'd never heard before. No. Um, uxor actually gives us another word as well, which is uxoricide, which means the murder of your wife. Oh. Hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully uh, not. Not a good thing. We're, we're against that as wives. Um, but and just to balance that off, there is a term for killing your husband. I was just going to well. say. Yeah, perhaps you might want to know that. Well, you know, I'm all about (laughs) balance, gender equality. Absolutely. Uh, So it's not as good a word, though. So it's just mariticide, which sounds just like killing the person you're married to. Yeah, yeah. Great word. I think Uxor has got a bit more oomph to it. But um, yeah, yeah. So too fond of your wife. Too fond of possible, obviously. No. Clearly not. Clearly not. Grace, as always, it's been a highly entertaining, insightful word foolery. We'll chat to you again next month. Great. Look forward to it. Thanks a million. Grace Tierney there. You can find out more about Grace and her blogging and her work on wordfoolery.wordpress.com. It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday. Word Foolery Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.